Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. How many of y'all ever heard that expression? Old age and treachery will overcome youth and skill. Yes. <laughs> Old age and treachery will overcome youth and skill. Uh, Willie Nelson sang a song about it some years back, but it's been a saying that you know, has been around from time to time. I, I actually have a t-shirt that says that, and uh, so many times we have, we have joked about it that, well, you know, the up-and-coming, you know, kids, they may be smart and whatever, we got age and treachery on them, you know, <laughs> we got experience and a little devious, you know, and, uh, and so we've kind of made it as kind of a joke that, uh, you know, that what we, what we lack in maybe physical strength or dexterity, we make up for it in, you know, sneakiness or something so <laughs> so old age and treachery will overcome youth and skills been a been a, a fun saying you know um but i wanted to think about that in light of of spiritual truth and the the truth is that we have a very ancient enemy very treacherous enemy very scheming strategizing enemy and how many of us, we come into the things of God, we get born again, we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have faith ignited in our hearts, we're going to have this great miracle and this wonderful deliverance and this wonderful, fantastic promise of God. We got our prophecies out, man, God has promised us the moon, right? And we get all excited about, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is, we, we, hit, we hit those promises with zeal. We have zeal, we have excitement, and we don't usually t think twice about there is a treacherous ancient enemy who is waiting to deal with us in our youth and our skill. You know, how many of the times, you know, the first time we heard about healing, you don't have to be sick, healing's in the atonement, so what did we do? You know, we studied the scriptures, we made our faith declarations, and and we told everybody, we believe in healing. God doesn't want you to be sick. You don't have to be sick. And then after a little while, here comes an ancient, treacherous enemy who's seen kids like you before. And has got a pocket full of standard schemes that have worked very well for thousands of years and launches on that. You know, the problem has been not that we have an ancient, treacherous enemy, but that we haven't been prepared to deal with an ancient enemy. That we have taken the promise of God in our zeal, in our enthusiasm. We acted like, you know, it was going to be just fine. I mean, I remember of some things over this past year and a half, and, and some people got some absolutely phenomenal, tremendous prophetic declarations of what God was going to do in their lives. And everybody got so excited because it sounds so good, and God's going to do great things, God's going to do great things. Well, guess what? There has been an ancient enemy with a strategy against us. And so in our, in our zeal, I mean, I said, to, I said to one person one time, I said, did you think the devil was going to roll over and play dead just because you got that prophecy? I mean, sometimes I think that's what we think. Well, I got the word in the story. In the story as far as it's settled, as far as the will of God goes. But you have an enemy that wants to contest your prophetic word, that wants to contest your faith. And so what's happened is when we have just relied upon 
our youth and our skill. We, we know what the Bible says, praise God forevermore, and we quote the scripture, and we just dare the devil to you know, say or do anything about it. You know what happens? We enter into a place of overconfidence. Now, you see, an ancient treacherous enemy knows. All right, you get a little puffed up. Go ahead. Get a little zeal. Even the Bible says that um, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, right? So a little bit of haughtiness enters in. I'm big and I'm bad. I got the prophecy, you know. And, what, and see, and as though that there was nothing that stood in your way. And it looked like nothing didn't stand in your way for a little while. But what's happened is, because the enemy, having had many years of experience with many millions of people, and understands human nature very well, and has observed you all your life and knows your weaknesses, knows where you're wounded, know where you get tripped up. He knows what your besetting sins are, the things that you keep coming back to over and over. He knows you. He knows you and has a special strategy designed to take you out because he's got bigger fish to fry than you and me. I even know that. devil's got better things to do. So basically, he says, okay, we got one. Okay, it sends off a demon. Okay, uh, get that one, the usual, uh, wear them down, get them overcommitted, over blah, 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 the usual strategy. So that little demon goes off and comes after you because you don't know how to say no. And then you have a regular strategy and comes in and reinforces. And so whatever, he's got, he's got a little strategy that's designed for every person, designed to keep us out of experiencing the promises of God. The problem is that we have failed to recognize what he's been doing. And so much of the time, we have blamed ourselves, we blamed God, we blamed other people, we blamed that prophetic word, that person who gave me that word. We blame, blame, blame. And we have not recognized that in the shadows is a mastermind that's been pulling the strings. Let's first turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. A treacherous enemy. Do you know that the enemy, like cockroaches, prefers to remain hidden in darkness? Right? Prefers to remain in darkness. Does not want to be exposed. And so many of us, folks, we are led by our natural senses. And we're not, we're not discerning things going on in the spirit realm. And so we always, we tend to just see the normal, natural challenges that we're facing... And we just assume that it's, well, it's that boss, well, it's the economy, well, it's this, well, it's that. And not understood, no, there is a treacherous ancient spirit that's behind the challenges. And so what's happened is we find that Christians, they fall into a place of being frustrated and discouraged. They fall into to disappointments. They begin to compromise. They start backing off their faith. They start backing off of their prayer. They start dropping out of church services. They start getting into sin. They wind up in spiritual bondage. Their love begins to grow cold. They lose the passion, the fire, the things they had for the things of God or for other people. Their faith begins to be turned mushy and weak. The relationships they have start getting undermined, and then disillusionment sets in. It's a very familiar pattern. Does that sound familiar to anybody? 
I mean, seeing this kind of thing been at work. Why? Because it's so daggone successful. <laughs> it works extremely well for the devil. And so there are plans to take you and me out through frustrations, disappointments, compromise, undermining relationships, disappointments, to get your faith weak, to get you to back off and not see the fulfillment of what God has promised. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Hmm. Some will fall away from the faith. What happened when we first got excited about the things of God? We first got our prophecy. We first heard the word of faith preached. We got pumped up and excited. Praise God, I'm going to have my miracle. Praise God, we're going to turn this thing around for Jesus, right? And we got excited and full of strength and full of faith. But the Bible says that some will fall away from the faith. Why would a person fall away from the faith? Why would you fall away from believing and trusting in God that he was going to perform his word? The next phrase tells you, by paying attention to deceitful spirits. By paying attention to deceitful spirits. You see, a treacherous ancient enemy knows that all he's got to work against you is deception. That's all he's got. All he's got is a lie to see if you'll believe it. And so you have the promise of God before you that promises you victory. And so here comes the demon come to sabotage your faith and begin to speak things to you while you're in that waiting place, waiting for your manifestation. And it's deceitful spirits begin to lie and begin to steal the word that was sown in your heart. Isn't that like the parable that Jesus talked about the seed? The seed that fell, fell upon the pathway. It says the birds of the air came and picked it up. There is the enemy is coming to steal the word that was sown in your heart so that you throw it away, and I don't believe that anymore. I don't even know anybody that's done that. I do. I know people have done that. They don't believe in healing anymore because they've seen too many people not get healed. I don't care if nobody gets healed. The Word of God is forever settled. It's true no matter. Even there are things that go wrong and we're disappointed and we don't understand why. We don't understand. You know what? There are people who decide that God is not good. They decide that he is not love based upon an experience they have. But folks, that's paying attention to a deceitful spirit because there's always a spirit that's trying to get you off of the word of God and out of faith and into a place to where you let go because you see, it's the only weapon he's got. And he must do it because he is terrified of you holding on to faith and remaining in agreement with brothers and sisters and agreement with the word of God. Because what's the Bible say? One can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. So why would he not want to split up that agreement, bust up that friendship, split that marriage, split that church? Because he splinters our effectiveness by doing that. There are people that God has put into your life that you know it is a covenant relationship. Isn't that right? There are people you know. Tell me. Those relationships... Do they take the most beating? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
the ones that you know God has put this person in my life, is sometimes it feels like all hell is targeted trying to break you up, trying to get you to split off, get offended at each other, back off, leave, separate, no longer walk together. You know, the devil's been good at that. Y'all heard the story about Paul and Barnabas, right? Paul and Barnabas was a team put together by the, by the Lord, right? The Spirit of the Lord said, separate together, Paul and Barnabas. Separate for them. I've got an assignment for them to do together. What happened later on? They got in a rip-roaring fight. They got into a disagreement over ministry. Tradition said you could hear them shouting in the street. Christians shouting at each other? Oh, yes. Passionate feeling. Shouting at each other. And what happened? What happened was I think they quit shouting too soon. They should have stayed until they it worked out. But what they did was they allowed their disagreement to splinter them. And Paul took Silas, Barnabas took Mark, and they went off in a separate direction. Do you know this thing happens every day? And that's why it's so important that we hold on to the promises, to the prophecy, to the people, to the vision, to the things that God has put into our life. Because if we hold on to it, we're going to see it manifest. You know, I was talking to Jen not too long ago, and she said that she never wanted to be one of those people that gave up on the 39th day right before the breakthrough, you know. I, I feel the same way. It's like hang in there because you don't know. It could just be one more day. It could be one more thing. You don't know. I mean, even as we were listening to testimonies tonight about, you know, life was rough last month, but in the past few weeks, we've had, man, victory, 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 victory. Some good things are happening. We're hearing good reports. So hang in there. It's not a time to let go. It's a time to stay in there and to believe God and not listen to deceitful spirits and doctrine of demons. Look down at verse 6. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and the sound doctrine which you have been following. You know what? If we will remind ourselves and remind one another, don't listen to deceiving spirits. We, when our experience, when the thoughts we have, when other people talking, when whatever is contradictory according to what God has said, contradictory to his nature, we've got to understand that is a snare of the enemy that you and I cannot afford to fall into. God's word is true. The Bible says it is forever settled in heaven, forever settled. Hallelujah. But we need to you know, be smart enough to understand that there will come an assault on your faith. There will come an assault on every promise that God has made to you. The enemy does not want you to see that thing fulfilled. So there will come an assault to try to split, split you up, separate you, defeat you, and get you to let go of it. So why are we surprised, folks? Why are we surprised? I mean, we'll come in. Man, it seems like every time, ever since I got that prophetic word, man, everything in my life just fell apart. I've heard people, they said that. Don't give me any more prophetic words <laughs> because it's too painful. Because the word comes and then I have to walk through and fight through half the hell to see the thing manifest. Folks, this is how it works. You see, God is growing us up. He's maturing us. He's making us overcomers. 
And as I told you a couple of weeks ago, life was not designed to be easy. It was designed that you were to be victorious, but that you were made, I mean, we were made to climb Mount Everest, you know. We are made to overcome, conquer, expand, grow. And so you got something to overcome in your life? Praise God forevermore. Who does not have something to overcome right now? See, everybody does. <laughs> you know what? You know what? God has all confidence in you that you can surpass this current obstacle, that you can win. This is the victory that overcomes even our faith, right? So whatever challenge you are facing, it's common, it's ordinary. There's probably two or three people in the room facing the exact same kind of challenge, right? I mean, you could probably just think, well, I know somebody else has been through a similar thing or something real close, right? Because these things are common. But the devil wants to tell you nobody has it as bad as you. And nobody cares. And try to separate you and get you isolated. Let's remind one another not to pay attention. Because if we don't pay attention, we're not going to fall away. Hallelujah. I don't want to fall away from faith. There are so many people that have. They just got tired of the warfare. They got tired. that was just being beat up day after day, week after week. Well, I've been through seasons of my life where I've gotten pretty beat up too. But you know what? I'm living to tell about it. <laughs> That's it. Let's live to tell about it, folks. <laughs> this is testimony. The devil tried to take me out, but he didn't win. Hallelujah. I'm still here and giving glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> still safe, still love God. All right. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> any day you wake up breathing is a good day to start, right? <clears throat> I'm telling you, folks, we're made to overcome. This is our inheritance. Colossians 1.13 says, He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. The Lord has rescued us from the domain of darkness, from the authority of darkness. We're not in that kingdom anymore. I don't care when you got born again. You left someplace and you went into a new kingdom. So, the domain of darkness, Satan has no authority over you anymore. His lies have no place to land on you anymore because you've been transferred out of that kingdom. Your allegiance is to a higher king. Hallelujah. So, we've been rescued out of that kingdom of darkness. And so, so many times as Christians that we get to where we're, we're fighting, you know, to get the victory instead of understanding the Bible says you already have the victory. You already have the victory. So it's a place of fighting the fight of faith from a position, actually from a position of rest. You know, the Bible says to labor to enter into a place of rest. You know, you can liken this to King David and King Solomon. King David, the Bible says, was a bloody man, right? He fought a lot of wars. And the Lord told him, I don't want you to build my temple because you're a bloody man, because you shed a lot of blood. And so David said, okay, but I'm just going to gather all the supplies. And so he gathered up millions of his own dollars and all kinds of supplies and had them set aside. And the Lord said that his son Solomon would build the temple, right? David fought and fought and fought, but wasn't able to build. Solomon is a picture of, an, of the apostolic movement, walks in on the victory that has previously been won, 
and is going to build in peace. Solomon didn't fight any wars. He built from a place of rest. He built from a place of rest. See, and the Lord is wanting us to enter into a place to where we're, we're living from a position of rest. And it's rest because the victory has been won. And yes, that means that we, we enforce, we bind, we loose, we rebuke devils. You know, we d make declaration, decree. But <clears throat> it's not trying to get the victory. We have the victory. It's many, just agreeing with the victory, making declaration, and that place of resting in what the Lord Jesus has already done. Hallelujah. You see, so many times we are striving, striving, striving. And the Lord says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, right? And I'll give you rest, right? Mm -hmm. Labor to enter into rest. And if you're in a place of frustration and disappointment and worry and fear, you are not in a place of rest, are you? Right? Mm -hmm. If you're in a place of panic and anxiety, and what am I going to do? What am I going to do? That ain't rest. So we're going to labor to enter into rest. Labor to enter into rest is something that is warfare between your ears. It's right here, the battlefield in the mind. It's laboring to enter into a place of rest. All right. Jesus said also that we were, in Luke eleven thirty five 35, that we were to watch out that the light in us was not darkness. That the light in us was not darkness because we've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. So make sure there's no darkness on the inside of us. Why is he saying that? Because you know what? You and I don't need to have any place that's in agreement with the domain of darkness. Right? Nothing within us that agrees or partners with deceitful spirits. Nothing in us that's in harmony with that other kingdom. James 3.14 says, If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. The wisdom that is not, this wisdom is not which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. When there is jealousy, suspicion, fear, discord, all these kinds of things, that darkness is found inside of us, you know what that does? Is that kicks open the door so Satan has got access to our lives. How many of y'all ever had a mouse in your house? You ever had a mouse in your house? Oh my goodness, once you discovered they were there and you caught them, then what's the next thing on your agenda? Keep them out. Find out how he got in, right? Where'd he get in? And we go, we're diligent to find out any place where we think there might have been the slightest opening because we don't want any more of those things inside of our house. Isn't that right? We want to have that same attitude towards the kingdom of darkness. Jesus said, no darkness in us. So since the Bible says where there's envy and strife in the King James, there is um, every evil work, every evil work. Folks, when they come in, they don't come in empty-handed. When those demon spirits come into your life, they bring trouble. And sometimes what we look is, we look at somebody with a lot of trouble in their life. Sometimes, let's just look at our own lives. Sometimes the reason we have a lot of trouble in our lives is because we've had envy, selfish ambition, and it's opened the door. And the Lord's like, get rid of the envying. 
Get rid of the selfish ambition so there'll be no room for that sort of stuff to come in. Make sure there is no darkness on the inside of us. See, sin opens a door for the devil to operate. How many of y'all remember in the story in, in the gospel, we've got Peter, Simon Peter, the apostle, the disciple. And he is the outspoken of the 12, right? He's the one that's always got a comment, always has something to say, and always in the middle of whatever's going on, right? Open mouth, speak first, think later. That's kind of how Peter operated, right? And he was one of, you know, great zeal and we'll fight for you and we'll die for you and all this stuff, Lord Jesus. And so he also was the one that Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brother. Remember that? Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Satan has asked permission to have you. Well, guess what? He got permission. He got permission to sift Simon. He didn't get permission to destroy him, which is what he wanted to do. Now think about it. The term sift. What we think about sifting as far as in an agricultural society, if you're, if you're sifting the wheat, what are you doing? You're separating the hull or the chaff from the seed, right? The seed is the good parts, the parts you want to keep, the good thing. That's what you're after. But you're going to have to separate that other thing from it. And he says, Simon, Satan wants to sift you. Sifting could not be real fun if you were a seed, right? <laughs> I know, this is kind of stretching your imagination. But to sift a person is to shake up their life to where the bad stuff falls off so the good stuff is remained. We use the same analogy of, of uh, the removing the dross from silver, right? It's the same process of purification. So the devil was given permission to make Simon's life a mess so that the good of God may come through. And then, of course, you know, Simon's got to deal with his chaff. He's got to deal with it. So where was the open door that gave Satan access into Simon Peter's life? Well, not too long before this request, Simon and a couple other disciples are having an argument over who's the greatest. Simon and James and John, these guys are fussing about, well, I'm the greatest. I'm the best. I mean, I'm the one. I'm the leader. I don't know about the rest of you clowns, but I'm the best, right? There was pride that was operating in Simon, and this is how Satan had access to him, was the pride that was in there. So what happens is he comes, and normally Mr. Bold, outspoken Peter, runs scared when a little servant girl asks him, don't you know that man? You know, not a Roman soldier asked him, little servant kid, don't you know? And Mr. Big, strong, I'll die with you, Jesus, runs because of what a little girl says to him. That's not his personality, is it? Normally, he's, I'm going to be up there, I'm gonna, I mean, he cut the guy's ear off, right? I'm here to fight, right? That's Peter. How did Mr. I'm going to fight and cut off ears, I'm bold, Peter, become coward, 
afraid of what a little girl is saying to him. And then, very next thing, I mean, he's denied the Lord three times and run for cover. What happened? Because there was darkness in him. Because the pride that was in him opened the door so Satan could get in, cause all kinds of problems. So many times, Christians just want to blame the devil, blame the devil. I want to know how he got in, folks. How he got in. How do you get into pride? You're listening to a deceitful spirit. It says, you're better, you're smarter, you're prettier, you're this, you're that, you're whatever. You're listening to something and agreeing with it. If we're paying attention to deceitful spirits, it's going to cause problems. It's a device of the enemy. When we are in a place of believing God, standing against the lies of the enemy, understand that our warfare is not just that we pray in the name of Jesus. So many times that people do that. Well, I'll just bind the devil in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and attack it on like a mantra, you know. We pray and agree in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. That's not the only aspect of warfare. It's also, are we conformed to the image of Christ? It's the nature of Jesus, not just his name. There are plenty of people that try to pray and fight the devil in Jesus' name, but they've got so much darkness in them that they don't have any power with it. Isn't that true? They don't have any power. Because, you see, there's too much on the inside that's in agreement with deceitful spirits. And, you see, the devil knows this. An ancient enemy knows this. So if he can get us off into offense, get us off into pride, get us off into envy, into strife, into those things, we'll have so much darkness inside of us that we'll actually be finding places in us that the devil has access to and we will not be successful the way that we want to be in overcoming and resisting him. Whose side are you on, really? You know, we sing and talk about, well, I'm on the Lord's side. But are you really on the Lord's side? And I don't mean this condemning. I think let's take a look at ourselves. Do you know that in wartime, you know, one thing that the government is always interested in is double agents, people who are, you know, in the country. They have the appearance of being, you know, patriotic citizens, but actually they're working to sabotage. They're working against the government, but they, you know, they grow up and they live and they act just like everybody else, right? The devil also has his plants and his devices inside the church, and many times it's people who are unsuspecting dupes. They don't realize how the devil is using them to cause problems in churches, problems in businesses, problems in families. They don't realize they've got so much darkness inside of them but they are actually furthering the devil's agenda. I've been in churches to where you'd have a Jezebel spirit got in, got a hold of a couple of three, you know, key people who were offended and upset, upset, sowing strife and division, causing people to leave the church by droves and think they were doing God's work because they straightened them out, you know. You know what, All, and that's Christians doing that. You know, people want to get all concerned about well, what are the, you know, the occult people doing. and the, the, You ought to be concerned about what the Christians are falling into. I mean, come on. 
because they're the ones praying those prayers. I have had people pray against me before. Just crazy, stupid stuff, praying against whatever. You know, and the Spirit of the Lord you know, will reveal you. You know, there's word curses going on. There are people praying out of their own hearts, their own agendas. They do not have the mind of God. And they're speaking words, and they don't know what they're loosing, and they're gossiping, and they're going to this one and going to that one, and they're spreading this and spreading that. And what are they doing? They're giving access to demon spirits. You know, the Bible says that the angels hearken to the voice, the voice of his word, right, to fulfill it. Well, guess what? Demons are also listening for devil's words coming out of people's mouths. Because if he hears demon word coming out of their mouth, okay, good. Let's set some curses in motion. You know, that's one reason why the Bible says to pray for our leaders. You know, anybody can criticize President Bush. Anybody can criticize Joel Osteen, Todd Bentley. Anybody can criticize. It takes no special gift to criticize, right? But it does take a grace of God to cover and pray for human people making mistakes. Right? But you see, what happens is we have the devil using Christian people to destroy reputations, split families, cause all kinds of problems, you know, and, and what's it doing to the cause of Christ? It makes the church a laughing stock because there's darkness been found in the Lord's people listening to deceitful spirits. You know, it amazes me in a really sad kind of a way that so few people are really conformed to the image of Christ. I look at everyday attitudes and how easy it is for criticism to come out, how easy for resentment, how easy for envy and pride to come out of people's mouths. And you hear that, and you're like, that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. You see, I don't think you have to worry so much about what's going on outside the church. I believe that if we get the inside of the church cleaned up, mm-hmm. it'd be all right, okay? Get us into agreement with the Lord and one another, not paying attention to deceitful spirits, an ancient enemy that's been doing this successfully for thousands of years. And how long have you and I been born again? How long have we been at this game? I mean, come on, y'all. It's like... That's why the the truth is, it's very simple. It's in the Bible how to do this, how to overcome. But so much of the time, we just have our own opinion. Well, I just, you know, do it kind of my way, and it's what I think, and blah, blah, blah. You know what? No, (laughs) because you're not dealing with some brand new created demon. You're, You're dealing with somebody who's been around for a long time. In James, you know, the Bible says that in James 3, 8 to 10, that no man can tongue the tame, can t- tame the tongue. There you go. Tame the tongue. Illustrative point. Okay. <laughs> it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord our Father. And we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. We bless God and curse men. Bless God and curse the guy that cut us off. Bless God and curse my boss. Bless God and curse the worship leader. Bless God and curse, curse, curse. Folks, the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. 
So when there are spoken curses against other people, against businesses, against churches, we are actually partnering and agreeing with the enemy, and we have entered into becoming saboteurs. When we allow those words to come out of our mouth, we have joined forces with the enemy. You know, there are so many people, you know, it's like somebody said one day, why do people like to watch NASCAR, like to watch people go around 500 times? Looks boring to me. <laughs> round and round and round. What are they waiting for? A wreck. They're waiting for a wreck. <laughs> That's why people watch it, to see if somebody wrecks. <laughs> it is terrible. But, I mean, <laughs> it's the only exciting thing that would happen, right? Because that's boring 500 times around a circle. I don't get it, you know. So, <laughs> but what are people doing? I mean, there are so many people. You try to do anything for God, and there's a whole group of people standing there waiting for you to fail waiting for you to fail. I knew she'd never make it. I knew that ministry would never get off the ground. I knew it. And what are they doing while they're waiting? They're giving voice. They're speaking curses. It's never going to make it. It's never going to happen. It's going to fall apart. You watch. Sure enough, it's going to fall apart. You watch. What are people doing? They're cursing. Folks. You know what? It's amazing. That's, that's, it's like, why not... Thank God that somebody's trying to do something. Thank God somebody's trying to advance the kingdom somehow. And let's just praise God for them and bless them. And God bless them, you know. You hear about a new ministry starting up? God bless them. Let them win thousands of people to Jesus. Let them have tons of deliverance and healing. Amen? And if their church gets bigger than ours, who cares? Right? Who cares? God bless them. All right? You see, the problem is when we get into speaking curses, this is a tool of the devil that brings death and destruction, but it also backfires, and the law of sowing and reaping comes. And as we begin to curse and speak ill of other people, of other ministries, of other businesses, of other families, we speak ill of them. Guess what? We reap that same thing, and people are cursing us back too. You know, the Bible says to sow mercy. There's so mercy. It's overcome evil with good. So sometimes the things, the difficulty that we're experiencing in our lives is just sowing and reaping because we were shooting off our mouth. We were criticizing. We were tearing down. And so now we're reaping back the same type of thing. There's a verse in Jeremiah 6:19. It says, Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. God says he'll even bring the fruit of their thoughts. That evil thing will begin to manifest right back upon them. The Bible tells us in Romans 8 that those who are according to the flesh set their, things, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who are of the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. So since we have an evil enemy who is wanting to get us to set our mind upon the natural realm, to set our mind upon deceit and lies, we are going to determine to have our minds focused upon the things of the kingdom of God. Everybody knows what Philippians 4 says, right? What kinds of things are we supposed to be thinking about? Things that are good and true and perfect and lovely and good report, right? Not strife and division and criticism and offense and jealousy and rejection and all that stuff, right? But the Bible gives us clear instructions about what to think about. 
clearly to think about. And as Martin Luther said, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head. You can stop them from building a nest in your hair. <laughs> so a thought may come, but you don't have to meditate upon that thought. You can kick it out and say, you know what? I'm not thinking like that. I'm going to believe the best about this person. You know, I recently had a situation where a person's behavior, and I was looking at the behavior, and I was thinking, hmm, that looks like a problem. Looks like there's an offense or some friction. Looks like there's a problem here. I'm not sure, but it looks like it. And so I, I thought about it, and I thought, you know, I'm not really aware of anything. And so I just did a little communication, and everything seemed to be fine. Didn't seem like there was a problem anywhere. But I had determined in my heart that I was going to believe the best about them and not be suspicious and think, well, you're really up to something, aren't you? But just to believe the best. And you know, it's a whole lot nicer feeling to just believe the best. Oh, well, you know, they got busy. This happened, that happened. And guess what? I was right. There wasn't an offense. But you know what? You can meditate and think, well, they're upset. They're mad. They're this, they're that. And you can, and you can build all kinds of strongholds in your mind, can't you? To where next time you see them, you know, don't even want to speak to them. Not that they've done anything wrong, but you've got something built up. You know, that's why it's good to ask and find out what's going on. Amen. Amen. Second Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. Very familiar scripture because I preach it a lot. <laughs> For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. For the destruction of fortresses, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Every thought captive. So we're not allowing every whisper that the enemy speaks to us to speak fear, to speak stress, to speak anxiety, to speak resentment, rebellion. We're not allowing those things to just come in. We're taking a hold of them and, and disciplining our thoughts to think in harmony with God's Word. You know, if we're going to be of any use in the kingdom of God, we're going to have to get our minds renewed with the, with the Word of God. If you're going to be of any use, there are so many people that have a heart to be used by God, right? We've got a heart to be used by God, right? Well, the first thing is get this renewed because you've got to start thinking like Jesus thinks. You know, if God wants to use you in healings and miracles, then there cannot be dark places of unbelief and doubt in here. Your mind needs to be so convinced that healing is in the atonement that God wants people well. There's no way you consider less 100% healing. This is where our mind has to be settled. And that doesn't happen with reading your Bible for 30 seconds once a week. It doesn't. It doesn't. I know people, they listen to one faith series and they figure I should be good for life. No. <laughs> No, because, you know, we, we feed upon the Word of God to build conviction in our hearts, to build strength. And, and you and I, you know, we want to have faith to move mountains. Well, guess what? That comes when we have nourished ourselves in the Word of God. We've got our mind renewed to where we believe that, hey, that's possible. That's possible. As long as you and I are still reading things in the Bible and say, that's nice, wish it would happen, then we're indicating that our minds are not renewed. 
when you and I read the Bibles, if we get frustrated because what I see in the Bible is not happening in my life, that's a good place to be, right? Because we're seeing there's a disparity here. How come everybody, everybody Jesus laid hands upon got healed? And not everybody I lay hands upon get healed. What do most people do? Blame God, blame the teaching, blame the church, blame the sick person. Well, if you'd have had enough faith. Oh, they blame the sick person. Yes, they do. You know, let's quit blaming everybody and let's go right here. I need to be renewed. My mind needs to be so transformed that it doesn't make any difference if Satan himself was sitting right there, I'd still get him healed. Right? Right? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if they were dead and full of embalming fluid. Still, raise them up. That's it. It's that point of adventuresome conviction, bold faith, because that's how Jesus operated. You can't imagine Jesus saying, I don't know, that's a tough-looking case. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that one. I don't know. How long has he been dead? Ooh, I don't know. You can't imagine Jesus doing that, can you? How different are we? Our minds have got to be renewed, transformed. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You see, Jesus proved that God's will was healing, right? He proved it. He said, don't believe me because what I say. Do me because, believe me because of the works that I do. Folks, how many of us can say that today? Don't believe Jesus is alive because I say so, but because of the miracles I'm working right now. How many of us can say that? I think we have some work to do in getting our minds renewed. I think it's time to quit blaming everybody and just get our minds renewed, right? Get transformed and start thinking. It's not only getting the accurate facts, but it's changing the way that we think to where we're thinking of possibility, not thinking of defeatism and negativity. Way too much negativity in the church. Way too much. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, that we are laborers together with God. We are laborers together with him working together in partnership with him. So if our minds are not in harmony with the mind of Christ, if our minds aren't renewed, if we're listening to those deceitful lies, if there's darkness on the inside of us, then how is God going to do great miracles with us? How is he going to do great things with us? If our minds have got too much darkness, too much deceit, things going on. You see, people whose minds are like that, God, does, God doesn't use them. Why? He can't. Because they're not in agreement. Right? He can't use them. People whose minds are not in harmony with the Lord's have got their own agendas, their own mission. They're here to make a million bucks or, or be happy or whatever. They really don't care about the Great Commission. They really don't care about what, what God's put them on the earth for. They just care about, well, you know, just got to get, you know, have a nice, comfortable life and, you know, live long and travel and whatever. And the sad thing is that when people's minds are not in harmony with the Lord's, then that means we're missing our destiny. We're missing our harmony. We're missing our calling. We're missing the reason God's got us here. And we're not going to be satisfied if we're not doing the very thing that God created us to do. So when we have that place of 
just living for ourselves and our lives, we're missing out on a great adventure. A mind that's in agreement with God is very powerful. This is why the devil does not want you to agree with God. He does not, does not want you to believe that what Jesus said was actually true. does not want you to believe that you can move mountains. Because he knows if what you believe that, he is in very serious trouble. So he works to get you to where you don't believe him. Our, a renewed mind is able to distinguish what's God and what's not God. What's God and what's not God. You know, when a voice comes to you and says, you know, I don't think you ought to give that money. A renewed mind can go, that's not God. A renewed mind can say, you know what, I need to be a generous giver. Right? A renewed mind will think in harmony with Scripture. We'll think in a harmony with what, how Jesus operated. And it's not going to be like this negative defeatist thinking. You see, the Lord is looking for us to agree with him, and the devil is looking for us to agree with him too. So the thoughts that are in our mind and the corresponding action, the resulting action, is going to, is going to reveal who we're in harmony with and who we're in agreement with. And we get upset and get our feelings hurt. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Well, you need to keep all your mind, right? <laughs> you can't afford to give up any, right? Don't need to give it away. But where did that thought come from? I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. It didn't come from Jesus. You see, that's a place of darkness. And so we want to separate ourselves from every place of darkness and work a miracle, hallelujah, instead, and see reality from God's perspective. Jesus said in John 3, 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. To see the kingdom of God manifest. What is the kingdom of God? Not eating and drinking, right? But righteousness, joy, peace, and the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God. To see the authority, the domain of God come. If we, don't, if we have not been born again, we can't even see the kingdom of God manifest. If our minds are not in harmony with the Lord, we're not going to see the miracles. We're not going to see the healings. We're not going to see the breakthrough. Because we'll be too divided. We'll be believing what the devil has said. You see, God wants us to, to see manifest the kingdom of God and demonstrate his will is healing. His will is miracles. His will is deliverance. His will is victory. It is breakthrough. Demonstrate it. So you and I get our minds renewed so we can be demonstrators, carriers of the anointing, right? Demonstrate it. When our minds are renewed, we're going to see the kingdom just like Jesus did it. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be great to where absolutely nobody in the, in the community was sick? Everybody got the devils cast out one night. Glory, hallelujah. Wouldn't it be glorious? Oh, yeah, it'd be real nice. Hallelujah. You start leaving your doors unlocked. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, folks, when we're in that place of, I believe God, but it's not manifested yet. I believe God for my victory. I believe God for my healing. When we're at that in-between, the waiting place, that's where the ancient enemy comes to assault. Not when God speaks the word, but after he speaks the word. That's when that comes to try to get you offended and try to get you to back off and to not to agree with what God has said in his word. Try to get you mad at God. You know, try to get you to get so mad you quit praying, you quit reading your Bible, you quit going to church. You're like, that's going to hurt God. Who's that hurt? It hurts us, right? You know, it's like those people. Remember like years ago, you don't hear so much about it anymore, but 
years ago, people would go on hunger strikes. That is so stupid. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have these stupid people that would, you know, like if they were prisoners, they go on a hunger strike, they would force feed them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hunger strike? Well, let them starve. We also had back many years ago, we had uh, uh, back um, the 70s and 80s, a bunch of uh, Buddhist monks set themselves on fire to protest what was going on with Tibet or wherever, you know. It was, and they were making a, a statement. You know, the communists just let them burn up. <laughs> the communists thought, that's great, one less to bother with. You know, y'all remember that? I mean, they had pictures of these guys sitting there cross-legged, dunk gasoline on themselves, strike a match, and just sit there and burn up, making a political statement. Yeah. Doesn't that sound just insane? <laughs> it sounds insane. You know, it's like, you know, I'll, Children do that. I'll hold my breath till I turn blue. <laughs> you know, children do, I mean, these people, this is, this is not working for you. This, this works against you, all this type of attitude, this type of behavior. So I'm going to be mad and offended. And I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to go to prayer meeting. I'm not going to come to church. I'm not going to talk to him. And I'm not going to get a prophetic word. I'm not going to submit. And I'm not going to this. I'm not going to do that. You're just setting yourself on fire. You're not hurting anybody else. Because everybody else is going to go, okay. And they're going to go on with their lives. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and let you do whatever. Let you do whatever. And then you'll probably get your feelings hurt because nobody called you on it. Nobody came after me to see how I was doing. Y'all, we got to grow up. We do. We got to grow up. And then what happens is, you know, one thing that happens so many times, folks, is people get mad and offended at the preacher. They get all mad at what the preacher said or did or preached or whatever and whatever. They get all mad. They're going to stay home. Let me just tell you from experience, when they stayed home, they missed the very thing that would have set them free. It happens so often, it's, it's a crying shame. Somebody gets mad and offended, and the very next service contains the key to their breakthrough. Or there was an anointing present, people got whatever. Do you know the same thing happened when Jesus was preaching one time? They all got mad at him and offended. Well, who's this guy? Who's his mama? Where did he get his training? This, that, and the other. The Bible says the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. But they were all too offended to get healed. Folks. And that happens. Sometimes the Lord, try, the, the Lord is trying to get us over our offense because he's wanting to release something in the service that you won't get if you're still mad. You know? Seeing people, they desperately needed to get healed, but they were so ticked off at so-and-so they would not let it go, and so the healing passed them by. Got the guy next to them, but passed them by. We're going to smarten up, right? We're going to smarten up. Okay, real quick, how to get control of your mind. How to get control of your mind. The Bible says in James 4, 7, 8, Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. 
Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. How to get control of your mind, because that's where the battlefield is. That's where the ancient enemy is coming with deceitful spirits and deceitful thoughts. And it's coming after you and it's coming after me to get us to put places of darkness in us and get us out of agreement with God and his word. Number one is submit to God and the authority of his word. Is submit to the authority of the word of God. God's word is the absolute final authority for your conduct and for your belief system. It's what the Bible says is true. I don't care if your experience is 100% contrary. What the Bible has said is true. And so we submit to the authority of the word. And instead of believing my past, I believe what God has said. I know it looked like God let me down. But the Bible says God is love and God is good. And he is, an, and he is the everlasting arm. So God cannot let me down. So my experience, my recollection of that must be faulty. I must not be understanding my past correctly. I believe the authority of God's word that God is good. It doesn't look like he was good, but he is good. And so that's where I put my faith, right? So we're going to agree with the word of God. Agree with it above everything else. And daily feed upon the word. Part of the prophecy we had tonight had to do with daily feeding on the word, the living bread, the living water. We're talking about that you don't get fed 30 seconds once a week, right? That you nourish and you feed yourself on the scripture and on the presence of the Lord, just like you do with your physical body. Every day you drink something, every day you eat something. And so we're going to feed our spiritual bodies the same way. And if you are facing a major crisis right now, then I recommend you get some hefty doses. A little two verses now and again is not going to do it for you. If you're facing crisis and you've got a warfare of unbelief and doubt going on in your mind... You need to have some heavy ammunition to bring that stronghold down and to keep it down, right? And to have something to replace it with. So I'd encourage you, if you're facing whatever, then get you several scriptures that pertain to your situation and get those things and meditate upon them until they become a part of your thought processes. And no matter what evil report you hear, you get, God's word comes back and keep you on the even keel there. All right? Do you know that one of the signs, when a sick person is getting better, what's one of the signs of that? Uh, improved appetite, right? That's one reason you know they're feeling better is when they start getting hungry and want to eat. When you start getting hungry and wanting to eat, you want the Word of God, you want the presence of God, that means you're getting healthy. If you are sick and apathetic and your Bible sits there for days and weeks, and you miss church, you don't ever have any time with God, that means you're sick. It means you're weak. It means you're starving. A starving person reaches the point to where they're not interested in food any longer. And one of the signs when a person is, is terminally ill, one of the signs their body is shutting down is the same thing. They don't want any food. They don't want any water. They don't want anything because they're shutting down, folks. You and I need to have a hunger for the word of God that proves that we are healthy, right? Let there be, Job, uh, the Bible says, uh, uh, Psalmist said, I, I've longed for your word more than my necessary food, right? More than even breakfast, I want the word of God. And so if there's a place that, well, I'm just, I can take your leave it, folks, that's sick. That's sick. And you won't be able to endure the day of battle. You won't be able to because you'll be spiritually emaciated. You'll be spiritually weak. You won't have the strength. How many of you ever decided to 
go out and do a big job, you know, go move furniture or something, but you forgot to eat first. <laughs> you know, what, or go cut the grass and do yard work, but you didn't eat first. What happens? You give out a steam after a little while, don't you? Because you haven't put anything in for the exertion that's coming out. And if you're talking about you're wanting to become a challenger and overcomer and work miracles and healing and see victory and people set free, you've got to have some spiritual muscle to back that up. And where is that going to come? When you have fed upon the Word of God. Because I'm telling you, when you're faced with a crisis, it's not the time to go find your Bible. That's the time where it begins to bubble up from what you've already invested in. When you've already put it in there, when, it, when a crisis comes, it's right here and it's out your mouth. And you make declaration. Amen. And you see things turn around. So I encourage you, get strong. Make sure you've got a healthy appetite for the Word of God. In the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord told them that they needed to bind the Word, to put it, you know, little frontlets on their forehead, to write on the walls of their house, to speak with their children, coming in and going out to talk about the Word, talk about the Lord all the time. You know, a lot of times we've done that. We put stuff on the bathroom wall, you know, on the refrigerator. We've got our stuff up there because we want to remind ourselves of the word, but also to speak to one another and to remind one another what the scripture says, to encourage one another. This will help us also to be strong. All right. So examine your thoughts and your attitudes. You know, if you realize you've got a rotten attitude, then let's look at it. Well, how come? Why am I so crabby? You know, why am I feeling envious? What's going on? And choose to speak the truth deliberately in love. Agreeing with the word, this also means faith confessions out of your mouth. I've seen too many Christians who profess to believe God, but the, fact, the first time anything doesn't go the way they think it should, they're dooming and glooming and cursing themselves. Ah, this never happens. That never happens. Blah, blah. Negative, 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 negative. I'm like, shut up. You are cursing your future. Don't curse yourself. Don't curse yourself. Speak what you want to happen, not what you got. What you want to come. That's what you speak. Faith confessions. Our faith confessions are submitting our voices to the Word of God. To where I believe I am what the Word of God says I am. I can have what the Word of God says I can have, right? So I may not feel very wonderful, but the Bible says I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says I am accepted in the Beloved. That I am the apple of my Father's eye right? doesn't matter what you feel like. It's what you am, according to the scriptures. I can have what the Bible says I can have. And this is what the confession that comes out of our mouth, to where what we're saying is in harmony and agreement with the mind of Christ. Jesus would never say, I'm sick. Jesus would never say, I haven't got enough money. I can't pay my bills. I can't. Jesus would never say that. That's not the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ speaks creative miracles. I speak creative miracles in my checkbook. Be full. <laughs> some numbers with some zeros. <laughs> Money cometh <laughs> in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the doctor gives you an evil report. That's only one report. It's only one report. You just say, no, you don't, devil. No. No, that's your sentence. That's not God's word. That's what you say. God's word says, by his stripes I'm healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number two, the first is submit to God, submit to the word of God. Number two, resist the devil. Fall out of agreement with deceitful spirits. That means we're going to stop cursing people. 
We're going to stop listening to envy and gossip and jealousy and fear and accusation and pride, confusion. Refuse to partner with death and destruction. Don't speak death and destruction to anybody, to any ministry, to any business. Don't speak death over it. Don't curse things. Okay? Just get out of agreement with the enemy. Repent for being passive. Deal with your offenses. Deal with your unforgiveness. And keep a right attitude towards deliverance. A right attitude towards your leaders. And a right attitude towards correction. A lot of times folks don't, they don't want to hear the correction. You know, we want to, we want to have a right attitude towards that. That was the baby, huh? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Get control of your mind. Submit to God, the authority of his word. Resist the devil. This means when we are corrected, we take it. We receive correction, right? We can be adjusted, all right? We, yes, we may need some more deliverance. That's okay. We can get some. All right. Number three, cast your concerns on the Lord. We're going to ask in faith, nothing doubting. We're going to cast our concerns onto him. We know that God is faithful. He's made sure promises. You know, the Bible says we've been given a helmet of salvation. How about we keep that thing on? We keep that helmet on to protect us from mental assault. Keep our minds stayed upon the word of God. Bring every thought into captivity. And number four, maintain a heart of thanksgiving and worship. Draw near to God. A heart of thanksgiving and worship. This is how to get a hold of your mind. Get it full of the word of God. Submit to God's word. Resist the devil. Throw your concerns on the Lord and have a heart of thanksgiving and worship. Folks, let's not have any more of us falling in to the devil's devices. And let's gain for ourselves some superior skill and steadfastness so that just because he's been around a long time doesn't mean he wins anymore. Because we've smartened up. Because we've got instructions in the Word of God. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. I'd like us to pray. We're going to pray and fall out of agreement with these things. Hallelujah. So I've, let's just take a moment here. Lord God, we worship you. Can we just lift our hands and just worship the Lord for a moment? Lord God, we just worship you. Lord, we choose you. We choose your mind. We choose your way. We thank you, Lord God. You are faithful. You are good. You are kind. We worship and bless you, Lord God. For you have loved us with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Lord God. We recognize, Lord God, you are Lord. You are King of kings. Hallelujah. We worship you, O God. Hallelujah. You're our Lord. You're our Savior. You're our healer. You're our deliverer. You're our miracle worker. Hallelujah. You're our shield and our refuge. Hallelujah. Lord God, I ask for the anointing of the Spirit of God to come. I ask for your anointing to come into this room to minister to your people in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, we have an attitude. We, we humble ourselves before you. Lord, we humble ourselves. We surrender to your lordship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you pray this with me? Lord Jesus, I believe you came into the world to show me the love of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. 
I believe you were raised back to life again. For my peace, my forgiveness, my acceptance, and my salvation. I believe you are now seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. I believe you are the Son of God Most High, the Holy One of God. I believe you are the only Savior of this world. That you are my Savior and Lord. I believe you are the Prince of Peace. The Mighty God. The Wonderful Counselor. And my Redeemer. I believe you have been given a name. Above every name. At which every knee shall bow. In heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. I believe you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are my Lord. I say it again. Jesus Christ is Lord. And now, Lord, I confess all my sins. Known and unknown. I'm sorry for them all. I repent for passivity. For neglecting your word. And the things of your kingdom. I repent for partnering with enemy spirits. In speaking curses. I repent for gossip. Envy, Envy. jealousy, Jealousy. fear, Fear. accusation, Accusation. pride, Pride. confusion, Confusion. unforgiveness, Unforgiveness. doubt, Doubt. unbelief, Unbelief. and for death and destruction. destruction. I renounce them all. I forgive my ancestors ancestors and my descendants. descendants. I ask you to forgive and bless them. I forgive all others as I want you to forgive me. If the Lord brings up someone to your mind, just speak that I forgive this person. I ask you to bless them and to show them your mercy. Forgive me now and cleanse me with your blood. I thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses me from all sin. In the name of Jesus Christ, and by the power of his shed blood, I break all curses, hexes, and demonic ties that bind me. And I break them going back ten generations. On both sides of my family. I break all soul ties. Caused by witchcraft or sexual sins. I break all agreements. With evil spirits. And disannul. All demonic covenants. 
operating in my life. And Lord Jesus, I come to you now as my deliverer. You know my special needs, the thing that binds, that torments, that defiles, that evil spirit, that unclean spirit. I claim the promise of your word. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. I call on you now. Deliver me and set me free. Lord Jesus, restore my fragmented soul. My mind, my will, and my emotions. Send your angels out to recover anything that was stolen from me. I renounce Satan and all his works. I loose myself from Satan. In the name of Jesus Christ. And I proclaim my freedom this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia 23328. Thank you.